time for a decision comes into our life and we really know, we know it has to be made but we're, we're not sure what the outcome will be. Those times. Tonight in this story, and everybody by now, if you've skimmed Luke 15, you realize we'll be talking about the prodigals. I want to preach tonight a simple message on current day prodigals. I'd like for you to listen closely to the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we love you and we thank you that you're God and God alone. And that your word has stood the test of times. It needs no man to validate it, to prove it. But God, tonight there are your people. And Lord, we have to have you in your word. Lord, the greatest thing that could be accomplished tonight is a reminder to your people of your love for them. And that in all the struggles of life, you love us. We ask this in your name. Amen. I want to take you through the story tonight in segments, so I'd like for you to leave your Bible open. Take you through the story of the prodigal son. That's how we would know this story. I want to show you three places and areas that we as Christians are living in one of the three areas. But while showing you those places we can live, I want to use the Word of God to show you the end result of when we decide to live in one of these three places, we are on track for a destination. And ultimately the decision that you and I are making tonight, day by day, everything we do, our actions will tell what we believe about anything. Our actions will speak what we believe. What we believe, if it's a true, genuine belief, will alter our behavior. And tonight when we look at these three areas of life and three ways of living, there's three destinations. I think God does an excellent presentation in this story where you and I have some choices to make. Look there in verse number 11, Luke chapter 15, verse 11. Let's begin reading. And a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance with righteous living, when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would, he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. And no man gave unto him. The first place I want to bring us to tonight, the first area of our journey, is an area that if not careful, we as Christians can find ourselves here, and that is foolishness. And so tonight I want to present to you that foolishness leads to famine. 
Foolishness leads to famine. This idea of foolishness is living free. It's living with no thought or a preparation of the future. Foolishness, more times than not, is centered on self. We're centered on our own thinking, ideology, whatever you want to choose. But we're on that mindset. And we fail to take a look around us and to see present circumstances, outer circumstances. And we're so tuned into ourselves and our little world that we're going to find ourselves in a position of famine when the circumstances around us change. You notice here in this story, the prodigal son, he, he chose. He went to his father, said, I'm leaving. I want my portion of my inheritance. He gets it and he heads out. And he gets out into this country and he's living it up. And if you notice, the Bible just says a far country. The Bible references that he's, he, he joins himself to a citizen of that country. You know, the Bible never tells us the name of the place, the name of that citizen, because tonight every one of us have our own far country. We all have a citizen or somebody we've identified with that's going to bring challenges and famine to our lives if we don't recognize where we're at. And so we put ourselves in this story, if you will, but it's the idea that we make no preparation. It's the folks, if you will, that, that never, never save for an emergency. If it's there, it's, it's got to be spent. It's the folks that never stop to say, to visit and say, well, what if something happened here? Am I prepared for this? Within the confines of the leading of the Holy Spirit, may I remind you. And we burn all, waste all, use all, and then suddenly the thing we have no control over. The environment around us changes. I imagine if you could have traveled with this young, with this brother that left, the prodigal as we would call him, if you could walk the journey with him, if you could be one of the friends in the far country for a little while, you wouldn't want a different life. If you wanted it, he'd pull out the wallet and, and, and pay. It, it was no questions asked. Never look at a price tag. Never make any preparation. It, it was just free and for all. No value because it had been given to him. When he had spent all, not when he had a little bit left in reserve, when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine. Now he had control over his choices of his spending but he did not have control over his situation in terms of the famine. I want to tell you what happened in the famine of this story. He joined himself to a citizen in that country. But this really got to me. That man didn't care about him. Didn't care about him. If you notice in verse 16, and no man gave unto him. 
It didn't say no man, but the citizen was there for him. No, no, no. No man gave unto him. The very one that he had chosen to identify with when the famine rose, you find out who your real friends are. And he himself, the very one he identified with, he's going to do a favor, whatever the cause, whatever the negotiation. Maybe it was he said, if you'll go feed my pigs, if you see something in the bucket's worth it, you can have it. Who knows what the negotiation was, but we do know God makes it clear that no man gave unto him. So it makes you wonder why he was feeding the swine. So we don't understand that, but we do realize the principle, the fact that nobody was there for him. Notice this, Psalms 14 tells us, The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable work. There is none that doeth good. Probably the greatest act of foolishness you will ever see is going to be when somebody will say there is no God. And let me put that in perspective. Much like this young man took into account that the fam- never thought that a famine would come. But I want to remind you there's a far greater problem going on in our land today and that is folks that don't realize that there's an eternity coming one day and they're living in a foolish lifestyle saying there's no God, there's no God and one day eternity is going to show up and they're going to realize that they missed the most important preparation in their life because they chose a life of foolishness. And they live a life in their own focused central world. I don't need God. I don't need Jesus. I don't need this church stuff. And It's sad to think that there's Christians even tonight that would say, I'm okay if the church never opened back up. But one day we're going to wake up and walk to eternity and we're going to realize we either were prepared or we weren't. And we must come to grips with the fact that there's many physical prodigals traveling to the far country living in foolishness. But then there's a Another place we can live tonight. Join me in verse number 18, would you? I will arise and go to my Father and will say unto Him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before Thee and am no more worthy to be called Thy Son. Make me as one of Thy hired servants. And he arose to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it. Let us eat, and be merry. For this my son was dead, and is alive again. He was lost, and is found. And they began marrying. I want to say secondly tonight, there is a life of foolishness that's going to lead to a famine. But we can also live a life of faith that's going to give us a great fulfillment. We can live a life of faith that will bring fulfillment into the Christian life if we'll model our lives after the Father. He was a demonstration of faith like no other. I want to point out that 
He was evidently watching for the return of His Son. He had faith. He had faith that His Son would return home. Begin to think about this. Say, well, the far country, how was it? Where was it? Which direction was it? But can I say, you know why the Father knew where to look at? Because I can see Him while His Son is leaving with his part of His inheritance. The Father standing there watching Him walk off. And He's saying to Himself, when you're ready to come back, I'll see you walk back the same road and I'll be waiting on you. I find it interesting when we reference the Father. If you notice in the Word of God, there's two versions of the word Father in this story. You have the word Father, a lowercase f. That's just designating a person you're going to talk to. But then you have a Father with a capital F. That means there's a specific. There's somebody, it is their title as a person. It'd be similar when you say, you know, Pastor, you're referencing somebody specific to an office. And he, he, when he referenced the Father separately, but when he spoke to the Father, you'll see the respect. And he acknowledged his Father for who he was, not for what he had, for who he was. And you know, I love the fact that the Father, the Son came and said, I'm no more worthy. I've sinned against you. And then he throws in a little phrase, I've sinned against heaven. Make me as one of your hired servants. And the Father never misses a beat. He said, grab the robe. Not any robe, the best robe. Grab a ring. Grab shoes. My son's home. Let's get him ready. You know what that tells me? The faith. He knew he was coming. But I want to tell you something. You could be liberated tonight if you would realize that the sin that people have committed against you that you harbor unforgiveness for, if you'll stop and you'll say, God, the real sin is against you, so I'm going to accept and give forgiveness. If you'd understand the fact that it's a far greater sin when somebody hurts me or somebody goes against me or says something against me, if I realize in reality the greater sin is not against me but it's against our Heavenly Father, Forgiveness would be a lot easier. The Father didn't struggle to forgive. He's there. May I say that faith is fulfilling because you're removing the external pressure of others approving of what you're doing. So if you live over here in foolishness, you know people are talking. People are looking. They're not doing the right thing. They're praying. And you worry about the external pressures. You know, some of you tonight were here in foolishness and living a life and on the brink of famine, but the very thing that prevents you from coming back is you're afraid of what somebody may say. You're nervous that somebody, you'll, you'll have to come and say, I've sinned against you. And there's no other way around it, folks. There wasn't but one way the Son could come back to the Father. And that was the acknowledgement of sin. And we live in this place of foolishness and the other we'll get to in a moment. But we remove that external stimuli of having to please people when we live in a life of faith. Because you realize no matter what we do as Christians, nobody's going to follow and agree 100%. But you know, if I'm living a, a, a life of faith, I have the grand privilege of saying, God, are you pleased 
That's all that I need to know. God, are you pleased? That's all I need tonight. I don't need to know if the folks in the far country are pleased. I don't need to know if the folks living over here are pleased. But God, if I'm walking by faith and living by faith and believing by faith, God, are you pleased? We remove the pressures. We liberate our lives. May I say that faith keeps a proper perspective. Faith keeps a proper perspective. I want you to look in that story for a moment when the prodigal shows back up and he says, Father, I've sinned. I've done wrong. The father immediately says, Go get the best robe. Go get a ring. Go get some shoes. The prodigal would tell his father, I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as a hired servant. For his son. He says, get it all together. Get the fatted calf. There was one. The best robe. But a ring. The father never acknowledged that that stuff was his. He didn't throw it up. Go get my best robe. Go get my best ring. Go get my newest and best shoes. Go get my fatted calf. That's all the stuff. But i tell you what he did say. Go get all of those things because my son, my son, my son, the proper perspective, the person rather than the possessions, the person rather than the position, the person had showed up and the, the very thing that the prodigal was worried about and him saying, I'm sorry, Father, I've sinned. The very thing that he said, I'm not worthy to be called your son anymore. The first word said, hey, my son's back home. Go get the stuff in the proper perspective. And when we live by faith, we realize that it's not about everything we have. It's not about the material stuff. And I thank God that He blesses us with those things. But it's really about me and Jesus. And I live by faith. It says, my son. Don't we get worried about a lot of the, the material things around us? Rather than recognizing that God really loves us. See, the real prize for the prodigal wasn't the nice robe. The prize wasn't the ring on his finger that he got to wear. The prize wasn't the new shoes. And the prize wasn't the fatted calf. And the prize wasn't the party that they would have to celebrate His homecoming, the prize was the Father and the Father loving Him and forgiving Him even though He had messed up. That was the prize. The prize, when we live by faith, we find a fulfillment that only the Father can give us. It wasn't a possession, it was a person. I want to speak to you tonight you say, I've been over here so long. I've lived this life. I, I, I've been saved. But I found myself over here and I've lived here so long. I don't know what could be left for me in a life of faith. I don't know what fulfillment could be available to me because I've lived in this famine for so long. I want to draw your attention to a verse, number 17. Will you look there please? And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough? And notice this next phrase, And 
to spare. And I perish with hunger. I want to remind you tonight that when you're ready to leave a life of foolishness and you're tired of living in the famine, that you can show up over here in the life of faith and fulfillment. And guess what? God doesn't take it from nobody else. There's plenty to spare. He doesn't have to borrow from me or the pastor or the Sunday school teacher. When you individually are ready to leave here and show up here, He's got a plenty for you. And guess what? It'll be yours. It's your own. Nobody else will have dibs on it. Enough to spare. I'm going to remind you that that reference was the servants. The servants. If that's the case, I want to be a servant of the Father tonight. I'll be okay with the spares that He has because His spare is bound to be better than anything else. But could you imagine we're more than servants. We're sons and daughters. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Oh, I'm thankful for what I get as a servant. Can you imagine what the child gets? We ought to find ourselves in a life of faith and be fulfilled beyond all measure. I want to take you to the rest of the story. Verse number 25. Now his elder son was in the field. And as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry, would not go in, Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee. Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never, and yet thou, and yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. And as soon as this thy son was come, which had devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fight of calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead, and is alive again, and was lost, and is found. I believe we're dealing with a spectrum in our Christian life tonight, in this generation. We've got a life of foolishness presented here, life of faith. But then I want to present one final area that I believe we can live in, and that's a life of fear. A life of fear that leads to frustration. Fear leads to frustration. Verse 28 tells us that this elder son was angry. Was angry. I want you to listen for just a moment, please. This story, oftentimes, we talk about the prodigal and the son that stayed at home. That's how they're referred to. But I want to tell you tonight, we're dealing with two prodigals. You've got a prodigal that left physically. He left physically. But I want to tell you tonight, there was a spiritual prodigal that stayed at home. 
Let's recap a little bit of this story and what we're talking about, the prodigal, the son that stayed at home. Let me remind you, he was in the father's house every day. Let me remind you, he never transgressed a commandment. He never stopped serving and working for the father. But he was as much a prodigal as the brother that left home. He had showed up every week in his shirt and tie. He had showed up to the house of God. He probably stood in front of his Sunday school class. He probably still preached the Word of God. But inside, he was a spiritual prodigal. Inside, he had been so captivated by fear. Now listen, where do you get fear at? I've got to ask you, why did he get angry when his brother came home? Notice what he referenced. He said, I've never transgressed. These many years do I serve thee, but thou never gavest me a kid. His perspective's off. He's on that physical environment. Oh, and it's easy to get here. Sometimes I'm ashamed to admit it, I live here more than I ever want to. But his eyes were on that physical thing. His perspective was wrong. It makes you wonder, was he scared that now that that prodigal had come back home, was he nervous that what was left, the inheritance would then be split again? Was he nervous, scared of what would happen now? Maybe he had been in the limelight. He was the son that stayed at home. If you even think about how we preach it today, we preach it in a positive light. But when you really get into the Word of God and him being angry about somebody that was dead and the trespasses of sin, somebody that was lost and now found, there's something not right in his heart. And we're dealing with a spiritual prodigal. I believe if you were to look into the light this story, that anger and bitterness and frustration came out of fear. He was mad, bothered, fearful about the external things going on. To the point that he couldn't even go in and enjoy the music. He couldn't enjoy... See, when we live in this life of fear, you're going to have a hard time enjoying the things of God and the house of God and Sunday school class. You're going to have a hard time enjoying those things because you're so captivated by fear. And you're going to become so frustrated. And you're going to wonder why people don't see it your way. Why are you struggling and they're not? Because you're captivated by fear. And you're surrounded by people who are trying to live the fulfilled life of faith. And inside your frustration grows and grows and grows to where you're angry when your brothers are doing well. You're, about, you're sideways because God is thinking blessed. Because somebody's gotten close to the Father. Notice that each of these scenarios needed a different approach from the Father. Don't you love Jesus? Now when I need something that only He can give, He's got it. But when you need something that only He can give, He's got that too. Because see, this one... This fella, he's making his way back home. And speculate whatever you may, but the father was living by faith. He saw him, and he's making his way. And when he saw him a far way, great, a far way off, he ran to him. The father did move. Now the father stayed put. 
waiting for that time of repentance. Oh, but when that came, the Father went to Him. This one just needed a physical hug. That physical affirmation from the Father. A little bit different. He needed... Who knows when He was that far off, if between that distance to the front porch, He would have said, I can't do this, and turned and went the other way. But before He got there, the Father ran to Him, fell on Him, hugged Him, kissed Him, and began to make merry for His Son. But yet this Son, when He didn't come in, the Father went out and entreated Him. He needed just to talk. He just needed the Father to come and sit and to speak to Him. He just needed that soft reminder. Something like this. It was me. Though we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost in his family. It was this. and Son, thou art ever with me. All that I have is thine. He just needed that reminder that God hadn't forgotten him. That the Father... Hadn't forgotten where he was at. This one needed a physical confirmation, just a soft reminder. Perhaps that brother here in fear said, That ought to be my robe. That's my ring. After all, what's left here would be mine. He left. And the Father reminds him, All that I have is yours. You know, the Father never gave ownership of those items to anybody. All that I have is yours. May I remind us tonight that when we live in a life of fear, it's going to lead us to frustration. I want to remind you that fear focuses on circumstances rather than Christ. Fear focuses on circumstances rather than Christ. Fear focuses on the wrong rather than the right. May I tell you that fear forgets the good things. You know, there's some of us tonight, we've lived in this life, the faith of being fulfilled. If we're not careful, we're making our way slowly but surely to live a life of fear and frustration. We're, we're, we're beginning to do things out of fear that we wouldn't have done before. We're frustrated. What's happened... If we forgot all the times there was a problem and God took care of it. We've forgotten the good things. We've forgotten the times that we were sick before and God took care of us. We've forgotten the times that finances were tied in, but God took care of us. We've forgotten the times that relationships were strained, but God showed up and took care of us. And now we're over here living in fear and we're straining the relationship. We're destroying the, the things in our lives that God has given us that's good. And we're walking by because we've forgotten God's promises. We're living in fear because we've forgotten this here. When, he, when the Bible says, He said unto him, Son, thou art with me ever, and all that I have is thine. I want to remind you that this world is not our home. That we've got a far greater treasure and riches and trying to live longer and make it so we can have all this and afraid to touch and whatever and on and on. But I want to remind you that God is clear. He's not forgotten us. We don't have to live in fear. He knows where we are in 2020. I tell you, He knows what November holds. 
We don't have to live in fear worrying about who's going to be the next president. We can live over here and say, God, you've got this. I love the fact that I can look at people and say, you know, whatever happens in November, God's in control. Because the faith life is fulfilled. I don't have to be frustrated about masks. I don't have to be frustrated about signs. I don't have to be frustrated on all of these things. I don't have to be frustrated about political propaganda because I can live a faith life that God's in control of it all. He'll take care of us. I don't think we should find ourselves living in foolishness. I think our goal is to live in the middle in faith. May I say fear will cause us to live a frustrated life. Let me tell you where that frustration comes from. Frustration comes from a wrong focus. A wrong focus. We're focused on everything around us. Protecting whatever you may. And we've forgotten our Jesus. We've forgotten that He loves us. He cares about us. Hebrews 11.6 reminds us, but without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. That word is impossible. Not just difficult. Not just simply hard. It is impossible. If we're anywhere other than in this life of faith, we're not pleasing God. We don't get to please God a little bit. It's impossible without that. If we're living in this life of fear, we're not pleasing God. I want to tell you, if we're living over here in foolishness and no thought of concerning wisdom and asking God for direction, we're not pleasing God. We're finding God in the middle in a faith life. I want to give you some closing thoughts. I'd like for you to listen carefully. I want to say this about faith. Faith finds balance in foolishness and fear. Notice what the Word of God says. 1 Corinthians 1.21 For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. Notice this, it says, It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. But then I want you to listen to this, 1 Corinthians 1.25 Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. That's pretty impressive. That even what the world may look, and you even took the foolishness of God next to this, it's wiser than anything we'll ever experience down here. You take the strongest people down here, you took God's weakest point, the weakness of God, as the Word of God would say, put it next to that, it's still stronger than all that. And that we serve a God that has all that. When we live for Jesus, would you listen to me? When we live for Jesus, and the world comes by and says, they're just foolish for having church. They're foolish for living a life. and They're foolish for trying to go to Sunday school. They're foolish for all of those things. You've got to step back and say, what is your defining definition of foolishness? Because to, if, if you say, this is foolishness, I know without a doubt you're off track, buddy. I know that you're missing the mark because I know if I'm in line with this book, what may be foolishness to you is faith to God. And we've got to step back and start off saying, well, I don't, I don't want to upset the world. I, I want them to have a good image of the church. If we're living by faith, we'll leave the rest up to God. And let them determine for themselves. First Peter, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God. 
honor the king. Fear is healthy when it is rooted in faith and in reverence for God. That is that balance. And we realize we serve a holy God that's in control. And may I, may I, may, may I help you? Don't define. If you're in one of these two places away from faith, please don't try to distort your fear as a healthy fear for God. Then can I please don't distort your foolishness as a healthy foolishness for God when it doesn't line up with what God says. Because you'll continue to live a frustrated life or you'll continue to live in famine. Because all you're trying to do is modify to fit what you need because you don't want to live any other way. And we have to, as people of God, we have to live by faith. We have no other choice. I want you to know the father had a son that went to the far country in view. But he also had a son that was frustrated at home. See, we all have our own set of struggles. We all do. But I'm thankful that God sees us and He loves us right where we are. And can I point something out to you tonight? I can't explain all the circumstances. I can't always answer why God allowed something or this or that. But do you realize that this person here saw the Father? Because this person came back to the Father. It doesn't make good sense to me that this son would have to go through that, all of that. But he got help. And because of all that was taking place, this one got help too. The Father went and treated him. And always explain the circumstances. No. But the Father's about to show up. Faith is ready. The Father was ready for the return of His Son. Faith receives. He received His Son back from the far country. We've got to stop living in judgment of other people. Figure out where we're at. Be ready. Receive. I want to say this, faith responds. Faith responds. When the son wasn't inside, the son that got angry, the spiritual prodigal, the father went to him and treated him. It responds. May I tell you that faith ignores foolishness. Not in terms of the balance we need in our lives, but faith ignores foolishness. The father never got called up in the son's lifestyle in the far country. And if we live a life of faith, we'll be cautious. We won't be called up in political parties. We won't be called up in foolishness it's all around us. We we'll just want to be living by faith for Jesus.
And then faith entreats fear. Faith confronts it. Because faith and fear cannot abide together. And the Father, a picture of faith, goes out and entreats the Son in His life, frustration, fear. The faith shows up. And we're going to have to make a choice tonight. My challenge tonight is that we let, the heavenly, we let our Heavenly Father address the fear in our lives. Not that we sit here and figure out why and how is okay. But to look at God and say, God, address in my life what needs to be addressed so I can find myself in the faith life being fulfilled in what you have. Thank you. Tonight, you need to decide where you're living. Ever since